Picture this. You're navigating a maze of nutritional advice. One path shouts, go vegan to save the planet. The other one says, meat heals. Welcome to the battleground for the 21st century dinner plate. In one corner, we have health authorities pushing kale smoothies and lab-grown burgers. In the other, a defiant crowd feasting on ribeyes and eggs. I'm part of that crowd. This is a journey where your plate becomes a canvas and your choices paint the picture for your health. This can mean the difference between struggle and strength or adversity and triumph. Enter Dr. Sean Baker, a medical maverick, someone that's not afraid to challenge conventional wisdom. He literally wrote the book on the carnivore diet. It's on my shelf. I've read it. I passed it around. I've been doing a carnivore diet for around a year, and my family does as well. Dr. Baker is here to challenge and discuss the contradictions, unravel the emotional debate, and question why some carnivores are as vocal as a street corner preacher. Welcome, Dr. Sean Baker. Hey, James. Thanks. Thanks for that. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how you paint that uh, sort of dichotomy as it's kind of this almost like a little bit of a war we're in. You know, I, th I think that's certainly the case in many in in many ways. So thanks for thanks for having me. Yeah, I sure appreciate the opportunity. So I'll just dive right in, Doc. Um, so how should people square the carnivore diet with plant-based recommendations from from people like my co-host here, Bill Gates? <laughs> He's on my monitor. <laughs> Interesting. Well, I, I think that, you know, I mean, if we understand the limitations of nutrition research, which is really, I mean, it really is quite limited. It's not a very particularly strong science. I mean, we just we just are unable to, to physically and ethically do the type of research which would definitively prove or at least get close to proving what diet or nutrition study is best for you. And I, I you know, I, I think there are many ways you can get healthier. I mean, I, clearly are, there are, I mean, to, to, to certain degrees. And I think you just have to sort of test it yourself and go with the results you have. I mean, I think that is the best, most relevant way to determine what's good for your health now population studies have limitations you know are you actually part of that population you know is, is the people that are tested you know does it represent me and we don't have a lot of you know to be fair we do not have a lot of data on carnivore diets we've got some studies in the literature now which generally paint a good picture if you look at the actual studies been published and there there's there's been a handful in the last few years have been published um we have uh, a little bit of common sense i think which which certainly uh is is valuable in a way but more just as importantly like i said we've got at this point now tens if not hundreds of thousands of, of people that have actually went out and tried this and universally the results are generally pretty good you know i mean obviously there's some exceptions to that but i mean it, for the most part it seems to be helping a lot of people you know we're, we're continually trying to get more and more research funded and done and that's also challenging but um i think ultimately you know you you are the person that has to uh, live in your own skin. You're you're the only one that that either pays the price or gets the benefit of whatever dietary choices you choose. And I know there's a lot of mixed messaging going out there, and it's hard to uh, it's hard to determine. And I tell people, don't trust me at my work. Just if you want to try it, try it and see what the results you get. And you know, as you know, a lot of people have, and the results have generally been quite positive. You know, if if you want to try something else, try something else. You know, I, I think it's fine to experiment and uh, see what's important to you. And I think also, uh, don't be sort of i mean i think it's 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 very easy to get swept up into oh something's gonna make me live longer or something's gonna prevent me from getting some disease 20 30 years from now we really don't know the answer to that so i really would suggest that you 
you know, you go with what's objectively making you the healthiest you can be currently, because that's all we can really assess. And I know there's people say, well, you know, people feel good when they take heroin or something like that. And that that's sort of a, a kind of a, you know, a silly analogy because, you know, the alt, you know, we know that the, the results of long-term drug addiction and use, it's, it's a bad thing. Whereas, um, what I see on a day-to-day basis, and, my, and what I live, you know, I've been doing this now, gosh, going into eight years, uh, is very good health, very good function, uh, you know, very good uh, mental health, which I think is also part of that. So I think it's something that you just, you just have to test it and see, see what happens. How do you view the policy push for plant-based meats and lab-grown meats, these cell-cultured meats? The USDA just, just said it was safe to eat. I mean, doesn't, doesn't mean it's healthy. I'm just curious what that push looks like in a world where meat really kind of translates to better health. Well, I mean, you know, meat is a, you know, I think a $1.5 trillion industry. It's huge. I mean, across the world employs literally billions of people are employed by that. Uh, It's been part of our life and culture since the beginning of dawn of man. Uh, There are people that want a part of that market. They, you know, if, if they can get you to go, you know, meat-free Monday, you got to eat something else, right? And so that's, you know, that's, you know, 15% of a $1.5 trillion market, you're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. And so this is just a push to, uh, you know, just develop a market niche. Um, There are, um, uh, you know, you can make a lot more profit with these, you know, fake meat sort of analogs, which they're clearly not the same thing, even though they're pointed out, you know, you can look at the whole fiasco with this beyond meat stuff where they say, well, it's got similar amounts of protein and similar, you know, maybe less fat and on and on. And, you know, calorically they're kind of similar. Um, that very basic overview of the nutrition level is, is nowhere near what's actually in there. There was a nice study by Stefan Van Vliet out of, I think he was out of Duke at the time he did this. He's not Utah state. Uh, but you know, they compared metabolomic data looking at fake meat, you know, the impossible burger versus a regular hamburger. And they found that while there are you know, something like 50, maybe even 70,000 individual unique nutritional compounds found in beef. Um, only 10% of them are actually approach, are, are duplicated in these fake burgers. So even though you might say similar amounts of protein, which it's not as bioavailable, and that's a different discussion, it's not the same stuff and it won't provide the same health effects, you know, good or bad. And so you're not getting the same stuff. The lab grown meat almost certainly will not scale and, and, and even if it, they attempt to and they pour funding in it, it's probably going to be at a greater environmental cost. And I know that's some of the concern around this. This is some of the supposed motivation is you know, it's going to make you healthier. It's going to protect the planet, none of which is true, uh, unfortunately. But it's, 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 it's the narrative push they're using. And we can see even among uh, the sort of plant-based ideologic folks, you know, they, they sort of concede, uh, many of them do, that no, it's not necessarily the most healthy thing for you, but you know, it's for the animals and it's for the environment because they're losing the health argument. And I think part of that is because so many people are going carnivore now and they're finding out, wait a minute, I don't need all this, you know, uh, loads of fiber and, you know, 10 scoops of vegetables a day to get healthy. I'm getting healthy without that stuff. So, and in fact, in many cases, far healthier than they could have on a plant-based diet. And so because they're losing that battle, you know, and they're seeing the tide turn, they're now shifting to this, this climate, uh, issue, which again, uh, whether you believe in, uh, man-made climate change or not, that's, that's, uh, you know, I mean, I know, I know a lot of people, a lot of people do, a lot of people don't, irrespective of your belief, it's not the cows that are, that are a major driver of that. And that's what we're being portrayed. It's, it's clearly not. I mean, we, we see that that argument falls down. Just the fact that, you know, grass 
by itself, whether a cow eats it or not, it's going to rot and give off methane. I mean, it's, it, it, it's that happens, you know, and it just a cow eats it, it might change the rate by which that occurs, but ultimately the ultimate amount doesn't change. And so um, the, these pushes are almost, well, I mean, clearly they are profit driven. You know, you can make more money off of cheap industrial products. You know, they're talking about, hey, we can take human waste and turn it into, into food, you know, like orange peels and banana peels and stuff from your garbage and turn that back into food to feed us. I mean, you think about that. That's just most people um, or insects or insect paste or whatever. I mean, this is what they're, they're talking about, and it's all driven by profit. Um, and it's not, you know, the fundamental, uh, the, the fundamental task of the food industry is not to make you healthy. It's, it's to put cheap calories in front of you. And, 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 you know, cheap calories result in kind of cheap health. I mean, if you look at it, I mean, we've got people suffering by the, by the billions, uh, because of the, the low quality food that we're, we're, we're exposed to. And, you know, I, I get it. You know, there's a lot of people that will have no food and they're just like happy. Some food is better than no food, but it, there's a point where you look around and in the United States, we have 72 ish percent, probably more now, probably 75% of us are overweight or obese, and those numbers are projected to continue to go up. Uh, probably by 2030, more people will be obese than not obese, which is a scary proposition that over half the people in this country will be actually obese, BMI over 30. And and then you have all the, you know, the, the, the morbid obesity and the super morbid obesity and the super, super morbid obesity of BMI 60. Those things get, get keep coming and coming and coming. And uh, there's a lot of profit to be, be made on those people, and they, they realize that. And, I mean, it's again, it's not about your health. It's about making profit. And th that's that's part of what I feel called to do is just bring awareness to these misaligned interests within the industrial food system and, you know, the industrial agricultural system. I like talking about these issues. And just to be clear, um, the, like the, the, the vegan thing doesn't really necessarily lead into obes obesity, does it? I mean, that, that's more of a standard American kind of approach. Lots of carbs and yeah, I mean, it depends how you do it. I mean, there's plenty of fat vegans out there, and you know the okay. ones that are eating processed food. And again, this is a, this is the thing; it shows in clear contrast. When you go on a carnivore diet, you almost by definition get rid of all the processed food. It's really yeah. difficult to do, do that, and so people reliably lose weight, get leaner. If you go on a vegan diet where it's strictly whole foods and you cut out all the processed food, you'll lose weight at the same time. Now, I think the reasons are different. I mean, I think with a carnivore diet, you're feeding yourself nutritious, satiating food that quells your appetite with a vegan diet you're voraciously cramming down food that you can't digest so you're just, yeah. you're just shoving all this fiber uh, -huh. uh that you basically end up crapping out and you do yeah. crap out half your calories so it's a, there's two different ways to do it one leads to uh, i think very good uh good uh, uh nourishment and one leads to somewhat somewhat of a uh, uh you know poor relative nourishment that's why you have to continue to supplement, supplement. and try food from you know yeah. so many different categories whereas meat by itself is just pretty much uh, a food that provides i think pretty much what we need you know I, I love taking pictures of my steak and and presenting it to the internet and if anybody's done this you run into these overzealous vegans most it's, a lot of them can be very nice and polite but um I, i've had a lot of really uh, aggressive ones that just want to be um, confrontational like um asking me questions like would you eat your dog so like, how would you respond to a vegan that would ask you if you would eat your dog and equating that with, you know, the life, the loss of one animal's life? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, 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 you know, I, again, that's, you know, I guess in the, 
and in the worst of circumstances, you'd eat whatever you could. I mean, if you're starving, you'd eat whatever. I mean, there's, you know, you look back in times when been severe famine and people have resorted to cannibalism. So ultimately, the answer is, you know, pretend, depends on the circumstance. Potentially. I mean, I do, <laughs> you, if it was, if it, if it, depending on the circumstance, I mean, you do what you do to survive. But I mean, you know, like I said, why do we select dogs as companion animals versus, you know, cows that we eat? Well, you know, cows aren't very good at hunting. I mean, dogs, you know, the reason <laughs> the risk. The, yes. the original relationship with the humans and animals was, or humans and dogs was to assist us with hunting. And I mean, that's, and they become quite good companion animals. And so I think this is a problem. A lot of vegans view uh, domestic, uh, you know, animals that are, that have been domesticated for food as pets and they really don't do well. I mean, try keeping a cow as, as a pet. It doesn't work for me well. I mean, cows, dangerous animals, they kill, uh, they're in the top 10 list of most deadly animals that kill more they kill a lot of people every year i mean you know relative to you know the humans that i think they kill more people than sharks do uh you know so it's 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 one of those things where you know these animals have a purpose and you know the purpose of a dog is generally not food i know there's some cultures where that is done but they're not you know like i said other animals do much better for that and so they have their their purposes and these animals that you know a, a cow or all ruminant animals ultimately are prey animals. I mean, that is what happens to them. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's in the African uh, savanna or in, you know, w Wisconsin. I mean, these animals are going to end up as food for something, whether it's me or a bear or a coyote or a, a lion, you know, in Africa. They, they, that's, unfortunately, that's their purpose. And uh, I think that, you know, you, you know, if you look at, um, how these ruminant animals, like there was a great study out of University of Pennsylvania where they looked at white-tailed deer, they tagged them at birth, and they followed them. And, you know, the vast majority of those deer never made it to 32 weeks. Most of them were killed in their infancy or as a young as a young animal, uh, either mostly due to predation. So a wolf ate them or a bear ate them or something like that. And it wasn't, it wasn't a humane death, I can show you that. Or they starved to death or they got some kind of illness and died. And so... And only a small percentage of them actually made it to adulthood. And you contrast that with, you know, like our, the way we raise beef, beef cattle or dairy cattle, they all make it to adulthood. I mean, it's like 99% of animals that are born are going to make it to adulthood uh, in that system. So they, they have actually a, a better life than they would in the wild. You know, at least the majority of them do. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you've ever um, been on a ranch or talked to a rancher, and I've had the, the pleasure to do both and, and talk to many, many ranchers, they, they, just tremendously care for their animals. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, the amount of concern and, and, and it, it does not benefit them to have an animal that's suffering or in pain, pressed out. It, it just does them no good. There's no, they don't, they, they lose money when that happens. It's stressful for them as a rancher, it's stressful for the animals. So they, they, you know, they, they actually take pretty good care of the animals, uh, much better. You know, there's a difference, you know, if you talk about animal welfare, don't talk to a vegan activist, talk to a, a rancher or somebody that, that actually does animal welfare on a daily basis. These people are so misguided. You know, they watch a few documentaries where, yes, there are some uh, awful things that are done, but I mean, that's any, you know, that's, you can always find these negative examples. I mean, you, you could say that I, I could easily cut together uh, clips of humans torturing other humans and saying, well, that's all humans do. And, and, and clearly that's not the case. I mean, we, you know, most people are good, kind, decent people. Well, you can always show the worst of the worst and, and try to paint that picture. And that's what these animal activists do. They, they just yeah. basically, you know, use these extreme examples to portray the entire uh, group like that, which 
you know, it's it clearly just disingenuous, but it's designed to, you know, that, that's how we, you know, we use these emotional arguments to make our point. And that's, vegans are very good at that. I'll give them credit for that. They're, uh, they, they've tapped into the emotional side. That's why most, most vegans are young females. I mean, they, they, they tap into this emotional side of people that are otherwise uh, less uh, inclined to uh, use some other arguments that might, you know, might be more persuasive, I have, perhaps. Yeah, well, pain is a tremendous motivator. It can be, <laughs> I guess. And they really, like you said, tap into that. Why would you think that carnivore dieters, people who see success with it, become such vocal advocates? I mean, myself included, and you should see my mom's Facebook. You know, I, what, what, what is that? Is that just from, is that just feeling the success and wanting the desire to share it? I think there's some of that. Sure. I mean, you know, if you think, Hey, this worked for me, let, why don't you try it? Um, I think some of it is frustration because a lot of people, people feel like they've been lied to for many, many years because, you know, uh -huh. you think about people that literally spend many decades sick on medications, frustrated, never getting better. And then all of a sudden they make some simple dietary changes like, Holy cow. But I known this 20 years ago, uh, I could have avoided X, Y, and Z complications and, 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 and struggle and pain in my life. And so I think there's, there's some degree of frustration. There's some degree of wanting to share it with other people. There's, there's some degree of, um, you know, wanting other people to avoid the, the, the mistakes and the, uh, the suffering that, that, that you, you or somebody else might have went through. So I think there's that. And I think there's, you know, a, a lot of us feel attacked. I mean, we're, you know, like when I, Went on well, Rogan's podcast. I, you know, he asked me to come on. I said, sure, yeah, sure. I'll talk about what I'm doing. I had no intention of, you know, uh, you know, denigrating or attacking another group. But then all of a sudden, knives came out, pointed at me like, "Holy cow!" It's like, where the hell did this go? What did I do? All I did was say is I was getting healthier, eating a bunch of meat. And all of a sudden, it was like, you know, you're 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 Satan incarnate or something like that. So, I think some of us is trying to defend what we're doing. It's just like, look, why don't you just leave me alone? You know, I think most of us are content just to, Hey, let me just do that. And, you know, of course there's always, uh, this sort of thing that, you know, we're, we're, the concern is they're going to, uh, make it difficult to be able to do what we're doing and, and make it difficult for you to obtain what you need to do for help. And, and I think that's a really a scary proposition that there's people out there that would say, Hey, um, you need to limit how much meat you can, you consume to save the planet or whatever to, you know, one burger patty a week or something like that, which of course all of us would basically starve to death or, or we would go back to being sick. And, you know, I think that's part of, uh, you know, I don't know the, the pursuit of happiness or the ability to not be chronically ill. And, and I think for a lot of people, that's, that's an important thing. So I, I do think people need to be vocal, vocally defend their capacity to, to continue to do what provides them health. And I think it's yeah. an incredibly important and I do think that's a battle that's on the horizon. It's already, it's already, you know, you, you guys can see, anybody watches the news sees yeah. New York City, Eric Adams, hey, we're going to ban meat in school two days a week and we're going to ban it from senior facilities and, and you know, and, and government functions and all this stuff. So we're seeing these things being in place. It's not conspiracy theory. It's actually nope. happening. Uh, so we have to, I mean, I think we have to vocally push back against it and do do what it takes to prevent that. It's not just Eric Adams, you know, it's actually, didn't 20 cities sign up for the Agenda 2030 of future cities, and they've all signed on? Well, yeah, to, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, there's I, I don't know how many numbers across, I think it's 14 in the U.S., and there's probably yeah. 100 plus in the world, wow. and, you know, there's, wow. there's, a, there's, a, there's a 20, uh, I guess they call it the C40 cities, and they've yeah, got that's it. That's it. different goals. One of the, you know, one of the goals it was sort of an appendix, which was not necessarily a policy, but it was 
a reference of potential things they could do. And that would be banning meat by 2030, mm-hmm. banning dairy by 2030, you know, getting, get rid of private vehicles, you know, limiting how much clothes you can have. Um, you know, it, that, that's maybe the extreme view, but I mean, there's certainly a push to go on a more plant-based diet. So there, you're seeing it in the school systems right now. Kids are being uh, basically indoctrinated into the belief that we need to st- cut back on meat to save the planet. And this is what I need to do. And I need to be a good global citizen to accomplish this. And perhaps I might be more open to eating bugs and whatever. I mean, this is being pushed in some schools and some school districts. And so the kids are being, you know, basically, I, you know, kind of brainwashed for this stuff. And we're seeing that, you know, if we look at the, the surveys on different generations, which generations are more likely to accept a vegetarian plant-based diet? You're seeing the youngest ones for sure. As you get older and older, people are like, hell no, I don't want to do that stuff. So yeah, it's interesting uh, how they're, they're, they're sort of, you know, you can see it, you can just see it playing out in real time. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a consolidated global push to convince human beings that we need to, you know, go vegan, eat yeah. bugs, blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Dr. Baker, I, just the last two things here. We, we took two voicemails from, I think maybe from a Facebook group and then from someone I know. If you want to go ahead and play those now? Yeah, if you want, sure. That's fine. fine. So this first one is, is uh, uh, the gist of it, I think, is um, corporate, corporate capture or maybe um, government institutions being captured. Here's this call. In light of some of his recent posts regarding, you know, having to do battle uh, to fight for access to... Uh, safe food and quality food. Um, does he believe that the sugar, pharma, and medical industry insiders have infested government to the point, and I guess infested academia as well, and media, and the social consciousness in general so deeply that it would be impossible to root them out? Um, you know, and kind of along those lines, I, I think that starting a business that provides an alternative makes a lot of sense. I wish him the very best um, that his business scales fast enough to fend off the industry attempts to not just to compete with it, but to mess with it. <laughs> and so I wanted to send him those regards. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. A couple of things in there. Yeah. I mean, I mean, clearly, uh, corporations impact government policy. They, you know, we know like federal lobbying dollars, I mean, pharmaceutical industry by far spends most on lobbying and that's just what they publish. And there's probably a lot that goes on behind closed doors. I mean, same with the food industry uh, and, and other industries do. They all attempt a lot. They all, every, every industry is going to attempt to, you know, uh, influence the politicians to provide policy that, that benefits them. And so, yes, there's a lot of uh, corporate capture, you know, the CDC uh, or sorry, the FDA, which approves drugs, 65% of its, uh, you know, budget for drug approvals is, funded by the drug agency. So they're regulating themselves in a way. So that's kind of you know, the, def- the very definition of corporate capture. Um, is there anything that you can do about it? Yeah. I mean, I think so. You know, you have to realize that uh, people respond to money and greed. I mean, that's, that's just human nature. People are greedy. And so you can, res- you can, you can basically um, affect that by what the population as a whole is willing to do, you know, what, what we prefer. We still have, we still get a vote in this. And I think it's, um, by choosing, you can pick winners and losers. So by choosing, you know, to support whatever you believe in and not supporting, conversely, not supporting the other things. So like I said, every time you're out there buying garbage food and you put in your body, you're, you're giving another vote to those guys, right? And those guys are the ones that are directing certain policies, you know, 
And, you know, it's nice, you know, you can vote for whoever you want for office, you know, does that make a difference or not? Who knows? Uh, but by certainly you probably have more of a say by what you spend your money on. And I think if enough of us say, Hey, look, we're just not going to buy that stuff anymore. That's going to send a message and they're going to have to, shift. They, you know, like I said, all, all of their power comes from, uh, this large, huge market that they, that they, that they basically depend upon. So, uh, if enough people say, Hey, look, we're just tired of this stuff. We're tired of being sick. We're tired of being on the medication. We're tired of eating junk food. Uh, and it's tough because many people are addicted. I mean, a lot of people are addicted to this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it takes, uh, you know, yeah. and, and so one of the things I've seen about like particularly carnivore diets is that it unaddicts people. It helps people overcome their addiction. And that's very powerful. And so if you're no longer a slave to this thing through addiction, uh, you now have, I guess, freedom, you know, and I think that's, that's something you have freedom of choice at this point. Whereas before yeah. you're so addicted to this stuff, but you can't get rid of it. And, you know, as far as, you know, talking about our company, I'm wearing the shirt Rivero. Yeah, we are a digital health company. Our goal is to basically, you know, unaddict people from garbage food to treat, you know, to do, to do actual, you know, medicine where you're actually using lifestyle, nutrition and, and other healthy behaviors yeah. to treat disease. You know, we, you know, and the difference is it's not that other doctors don't have at least a thought of that. And, you know, you go to a medical conference, they talk about, well, you know, when diet and, and lifestyle fail, you need to do these drugs. The problem with that is that, um, there's no resource put into that. So we're putting resources into it. In fact, our whole, you know, rationale for existing is we have lots of resources to help people with those lifestyle behaviors yeah. and nutritional changes. And so that'll make a difference. Yeah. So anyway. Doc, this is the last one. It's um, someone that I know. She's 32 years old, type 2 diabetic, on over 20 medications. One of them is Ozempic. When the doctors don't think it's working and need to up, it's, I mean, it's a mess. And it's a short question, but maybe you can illustrate how Rivero would maybe approach a patient like this and maybe what the timeline is on accepting patients. Here's Deanna. Are there any medications that should be stopped as soon as you start carnivore? Like something that doesn't agree with the diet? For example, acid reducers, probiotics. And at what point would I need to speak with my doctor about reducing and or stopping any medications during the diet? It's a tough, it's a tough situation. Um, and her doctors are clueless and um, definitely addicted to um, just processed foods and, and the like. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly, and, and again, I don't know what our complete list of medications are, but I know certainly whenever you go on a lower carbohydrate diet, and certainly a carnivore diet is, is one version of that, um, you know, particularly if you're on diabetic medications, you know, because, you know, uh, you're taking these medicines to kind of keep your blood pressure or your blood uh, glucose rather lower, and the diet will do that naturally for many people. And so you have to worry about then hypoglycemia, which can be problematic, uh, in some cases dangerous. So I think that's something that, that, Often, you know, when people start a diet, they'll often, like they're on insulin, they'll often cut their insulin in half. They may, they may come off some of these other uh, glucose-lowering drugs. Uh, hypertension, I don't know if you're in blood pressure meds, a lot of times blood pressure will normalize fairly quickly. And, you know, again, you're on these meds, so you end up with low blood pressure. So you want to be careful about some of those things. I would suggest, you know, you get some physician support. You know, you say, hey, doc, I'm going to go ahead and just change my diet up. I'm going to eat a little bit less carbohydrates. You know, help me through this, you know, and, and you know, a reasonable physician should say, okay, you know, we'll, we'll look at things and see if we need to reduce things this time because 
you can get into trouble with that. You know, if, if you just do it willy nilly and you're on the same dosage of medication, there's other medications out there. I mean, there's literally there's tens of thousands of meds, so it's yeah, it's hard to imagine every single scenario. But um, uh, yeah, Rivero, that's definitely what we'll be doing. We'll be we have protocols in place to you know we've got you know particularly for things like diabetes, and we're starting out you know kind of what I mean, maybe some of the things she has with uh, diabetes and metabolic diseases, and then we'll switch on to autoimmune and inflammatory diseases and eventually mental health issues. But um, yeah, I think it is it is important to have a supportive healthcare uh, provider. I know I did a survey on, I think, 12,000 people that went carnivore, and one of the factors that dictated success was how much support they got from both their friends and family, but also their physicians. And if the physicians and the friends and family weren't providing support, then they the, the results were just worse. And so it's important to find a supportive environment. Sometimes you got to find a new physician. I know it's a pain. Uh, I know it's hard to get them sometimes, but um, it's probably better for you long-term to get a physician that at least has some familiarity with what you're trying to do because otherwise they're, they're pretty clueless and they don't understand how to inter- interpret the, the lab results yeah. uh, in light of what's going on because there's some nuance there. So anyway. What sort of timeline sense. is there for accepting patients at Rivero? Uh, so we should be seeing, you know, this is what we're, we're towards the end of September now. So sometime early, mid to late October, we'll start seeing our first patients. Okay. Uh, we've had, you know, it's, it's just, there's just a lot that goes into a nationwide digital health pro. You know, we had, we had to start six different companies and get, you know, li- we're licensed in all 50 states. So there's a lot that had to go into that. But so I think, you know, probably, you know, in about a month, we'll have our first few patients we accept. And then we have to, we're going to, we have to open very small to make sure everything's working like we like it you know, make any adjustments we need to, and then we'll open it up broader to the entire country. So it should be, right. you know, here in, within a few months. Dr. Sean Baker, it was an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to sh- uh, share your time with us. James, thanks. Appreciate it. And thanks for what you're doing. It's, All it's right. good to get the word out there and uh, hopefully best of success to you. Thanks, Doc.